Hi, I'm Father David Dufresne, parochial vicar of St. Charles Borromeo Catholic Church in Arlington, Virginia. Welcome to the St. Charles Church Talks podcast. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Because he wished to justify himself, he said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man fell victim to robbers as he went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. They stripped him and beat him and went off, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down that road, but when he saw him, he passed by on the opposite side. Likewise, a Levite came to the place, and when he saw him, he passed by on the opposite side. But a Samaritan traveler who came upon him was moved with compassion at the sight. He approached the victim, poured oil and wine over his wounds, and bandaged them. Then he lifted him up on his own animal, took him to an inn, and cared for him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper with the instruction, Take care of him. If you spend more than what I have given you, I shall repay you on my way back. Which of these three, in your opinion, was neighbor to the robber's victim? He answered, The one who treated him with mercy. Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. The Gospel of the Lord. Lord, with your permission, I'd like to touch on that theme, who is my neighbor? It's a fair question. And Jesus throws the answer on its head. You might take it for granted. We are very familiar with this, one of the more famous parables of our Lord, the Good Samaritan. You probably know a lot of the hidden reasons behind it. I won't, won't need to go into the detail here, but it's pretty remarkable that Jesus is clearly identifying himself with the Samaritan, the one who takes the man, pours oil and wine, symbols of the sacraments, sacrament of healing, Holy Eucharist, gives this man to the inn, the symbol of the church. It offers the treasury of himself to the church. The church is now the custodian of this great treasury. Okay, so you probably know all that and why the priests and Levites passed by. They had a job to do in Jerusalem. They weren't exactly cold-hearted, right? They wouldn't be able to perform their job, the whole reason for going to Jerusalem if they were ritually impure by touching blood. Okay, probably very aware of all of that. But the question itself, who is my neighbor? Probably also aware that during our blessed Lord's time, people were very tribal, right? not, not just in, in kind of the negative pejorative sense that we hear today, but, but they literally had 12 tribes of Israel. And even within each tribe, you had the tribes of your family and several generations of people living together in, in little towns and communities, whether it's Cana or Nazareth, and everybody knew each other. So in, in that sense, it was very close-knit. 
And so there are all these laws, Leviticus, and number, all, all these laws in the Old Testament of, of how you're supposed to treat your kin, your family, parents, siblings, cousins, how you're supposed to treat the people who literally live next to you, those neighbors, how you're supposed to treat your, your fellow tribesmen, but then also the people who are wandering through, then also your slaves, because obviously that was a thing. Even though God said, no, let your slaves go. Don't you remember? You were once slaves. Well, how slow they were. All right, so all this was very codified. And the pagans who lived around them, like the Samaritans, worse than being pagans, the Samaritans were half Jewish. So they should have known better. But they dabbled in a bunch of paganism. So that was the primary reason why they were hated so much. Those people, entirely different rules, do not associate with them because, like the Samaritans, you might get contaminated. So write them off completely. Don't talk to them, don't greet them, all these different rules. Because again, in the Jewish mind and mentality, holiness means being separate. And there there is some wisdom to that. We can't really be sober if we hang out in the bar all the time. That's not conducive to holiness. So being part of being holy is to separate ourselves from the things that make us sinful. But then that separation became uh, ritualized and how they do the dishes and and all these other things that, that we know our Lord came to fulfill in a radically different way, including how to treat our neighbor in the sense of the other the Samaritan, the people who are not from our tribe. So that's what I'd like to talk on tonight, especially through the great example of St. Damien of Molokai, or officially I think the church has the title St. Damien of Wooster because that's where he was from in Belgium. We call him Molokai uh, because we're Americans and we kind of claim him as our own, Molokai being an uh, island in Hawaii. So if you don't know anything about him, I'm going to tell you a little something. You probably know that he was the great saint that went to take care of the lepers on the island of Molokai. As I was reviewing uh, some of his life and learning some new things, just kind of how, how history definitely rhymes. Because he, he wanted to go and, and take care of, of the poorest of the poor and the most marginalized. And right before he left, there was an epidemic and people were terrified because this, this disease that they didn't quite understand, leprosy, was spreading. And so they quarantined everybody. They figured out what to do. And then they segregated people. And then they, they put the people that they thought either had leprosy or might be uh, in contact with those with leprosy on their own particular island. Lockdown. Strict quarantine. Okay. So... That's where we'll pick up the story. But he grew up as a farmer in Belgium, very devout by, by all accounts, um, really devout. In fact, that was really the only reason why he got through seminary, because growing up on the farm, he wasn't too well educated, and he simply could not pass the Latin exams. But they made an exception, because they knew he was so sincere and so devout and so much wanted to go on these missions. And so he worked in the Hawaiian missions for a considerable amount of time, 
before the opportunity to go to Molokai opened up. And of course, that was essentially a death sentence. So the Father Superior, he was part of a missionary group called the Fathers of the Sacred Hearts. So this was a volunteer assignment, and he was very quick. In fact, he wanted to go to Molokai. He was just waiting for the opportunity. And so the, the Father Superior said, sure, go, go for it. Didn't, didn't really wait too long. I was happy just to have a priest there because there were a number of Catholics who were on the island, even if they were of Polynesian descent. Um, the Polynesians only, only got there about a thousand years before, before these Belgian miss, missionaries. Uh, and so they and the missionary fathers were there for several generations before. So there was certainly a stable group of Catholics already. So of the thousand or so lepers on Molokai, there were several hundred uh, who were devout Catholics. Then uh, St. Damien of Molokai would uh, certainly increase that number over the years. So he was there for a total of 11 years, which I knew he was there for a while, but he was up close and personal with the lepers for 11 years. So maybe that had something to do, maybe he kind of naturally had, had a, an immunity to it, but it didn't really spread as fast um, as people feared, right? because he would... He would be taking care of them, bandaging them, you know, nursing them at times. So he was tactily interacting with the lepers for 11 years. And when he first got there, whoever he, he replaced, um, you know, probably did the best they could, um, but it was in pretty poor shape. Uh, the, so the first thing he noticed, there's a little chapel. It was, it was kind of, uh, it certainly had seen better days. A little chapel, maybe feet fit a couple dozen people, you know, the roof was leaking, um, needed, needed better artwork to it. Uh, then the second thing he noticed was that he didn't have a place to live. I don't know where the, the priest before him lived, uh, but there was no rectory or, or even hut. So he spent you know, the better part of the first year just sleeping outside, getting eat by, eaten up by the bugs. And then he got to building. He built a little hut for him to live in and eventually a proper rectory. And then one of the first things in that first year, he said, we need a proper cemetery. Obviously, people are dying of leprosy. But he says, I want it to be a beautiful cemetery. I want it to be embellished with some nice art. And I want to give a certain dignity to death and the dying. And several other, we might call, you know, makeshift, hospitals. But part of it, too, was helping the lepers understand that they, not to have this, this vic, vic, victim mentality of like, woe is me. It's so as much as possible to get lepers helping other lepers. And then to work on their spirituality of, of why. Apparently, um, not too much prior to Father Damien coming to the island, there was a group of Belgian uh, kind of Puritans, non-Catholics, non who came to the island to basically said, uh, this is punishment for sin, God has forsaken you, so um, just die, because you're all destined for hell. Oh, and, and that's kind of not nice, certainly. Um, I, like, like, why? Why even bother? Anyway, so Father Damien had a little bit of that to contend with. You know, I, I imagine it's hard not to internalize that. Of why, why is this happening? Okay, so he addressed that head on. He helped them not to have this, this um, pity party 
but he built them up. Right? Rather, rather than also viewing himself as, as being you know, this, this savior from Belgium, I've, I've come here to help, uh, he, rec- he tried to instill in them their own dignity and worth by instilling in them that comes from God, not from being from Europe, not from being healthy, and our dignity and worth comes from God, not by what we can do, but simply by who we are. Okay, so that was kind of the context of uh, St. Damien right there. And so 11 years go by, and, and one day he's kind of giving himself a, a, a bath in, in this uh, bin, and he has some water that was being warmed up, and as he's, he's kind of um, cleaning up a little bit, he recognized in this warm water uh, that he can't feel anything. It's like, uh-oh. And one of the things that he would do to really t- um, reach to the people is, is he would offer a very beautiful mass every day. And more and more people would, would come to the mass and he would give elongated homilies, like they really had too much else to do on this you know, otherwise um, um, idyllic island. Right? So he'd preach for 20, 30 minutes on Sundays, maybe up to an hour. And just instilling the basics. You know, God loves you. God has not abandoned you. You can offer uh, this difficulty, this pain, this suffering to be like Jesus. Jesus is with you. But then there's a huge pivot. The day after he was taking that bath and couldn't feel his feet. He says, the Lord loves us. The Lord has not abandoned us. We can take our pain, our feelings, our leprosy, and unite them to the Lord. We can become more like him by what we do with this disease. So one day, those lepers never forgot. And we know this because Father Damien was replaced by all by all accounts, a pretty worthy priest, a good priest, a holy priest. Um, And this was one of St. Damien's uh, greatest consolations, that help was coming, that these people would not be abandoned in the sacraments. For a long time, for years and years and years, no other priest would, would even come to the island, not even to hear Father Damien's confession. He would swim out into the ocean and somebody would be on a little rowboat you know, or, or a ship out in the harbor with an anchor, and he would have to shout his sins for the priest to be able to. So that was the fear that even priests had of getting sick, of dying. So Father Damien, he kind of internalized that too, of, of saying, what, what am I doing here? Why, why are these priests afraid of me? So his great last consolation was to have another priest to come and to take over from him. And really, he, he just wanted to make one last good confession before he passed, and he was able to do that. But that pivot, I'd like to just reflect on a little bit. The Lord loves you, even in his own mind. Our Father Damien kind of had this, this me versus you, us versus them type mentality of viewing the lepers as other. And certainly, uh, I mean, there was an element of truth there. And this isn't coming from a position of pride. He was there to help. Right? But, but in his mind, like the, that transformation 
from you to we. Very important. We can often have that. I, I read a short little book not too long ago. And it was profoundly true. And it's kind of t talking about the, this was recently brought up again with, um, you know, I'm sure, sure you saw the Surgeon General saying, you know, we have an epidemic of loneliness and, and isolation, depression, and all the other negative effects. It's like, well, yeah, no, no kidding. Like, um, and this is a small tangent, but it's just kind of frustrating where, um, it kind of like in my personal estimation, like part of the problem is the breakdown of the family and, and kind of how, how, you know, institutions, the government have, have stepped in to kind of um, take the place of, of family and belonging and, and then their solution is like more government. It's like oh, more cowbell. It's like, no, that's part of the problem in the first place. Anyway, small tangent. Um, but they're right about what's wrong. Right? They're right about what's wrong. We, we do have a very serious problem isolation, depression. Um, but yeah, better public transit isn't necessarily the solution to that. Anyway, so I read this book not too long ago, and they were getting closer to, to part of the solution. This guy, Sebastian Younger. I think the book is basically just an elongated essay called Tribe. Very simple premise that, that we as humans are tribal. And, and so often we, we can take that negatively because so often it's displayed negatively. Me versus them. My little tribe versus that little tribe. And, and we can see all sorts of nasty expressions of that. But this, this book, Sebastian Younger, I mean, had a point that for, you know, thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of years, this is how we've experienced reality, whether it's in Cana or Nazareth. Right? But these little tight-knit communities, it's kind of like, okay, we, we got we to gotta band together to survive. Now all of a sudden we find ourselves in, in, in Arlington and we don't know anybody. That's one of the first things I, I noticed just moving here. Nobody makes eye contact on the street. Nobody smiles. Nobody says hi. Because we don't know each other. We don't, we don't know who's friendly and who's a foe. And so there, there's something distinctly um, kind of unhuman about that. And there is this need that we kind of have. Um, all right, who is my tribe? Who, you know, I'm away from my family, so like, who's going to kind of be my family here? And, and we can invent them, you know, well, this is my sport team, like, this is my tribe, we all wear the same colors and have the same chance. Like, okay, that's kind of trying to, to meet a need, or sometimes it's just our little group of friends, right? Or, or, I mean, sometimes for a lot of people, it could be politics, right? The, the good guys versus the bad guys. And then, like, everything really, I mean, in a very, like, negative tribal sense can become political. Sports becoming political. Right? What, what type of beer you drink for some reason now is political. Right? Just like, what type of razors you like, it's, it's just stupid. But it is highlighting the fact that we are tribal. And so when we don't really understand our sense of belonging, when we don't have a real sense of community, we, we create these kind of artificial um, tribes and get really passionate about it. Because it's meeting, I mean, that's why I joined a gang, right? I'm not pointing fingers. This isn't you, right? This is us. This is we. We do this as humans. But this is what Jesus throws on its head. Who is my neighbor? Who is my tribe? Essentially saying, everybody. We don't always act like it. But this is God's original intention. To get the human family back together. 
this is part of God being radically inclusive. An African bishop was, was being interviewed kind of about the, the synod process. And he says, yes, we want as many people as possible to be included in the church. We want everybody to feel welcomed. We want everybody to kind of be in this tent. But he says it's very important to notice that being in this tent also means something. Just like in a family, you have different roles. One's not better than the other, but the roles are different for a reason. He says, in, in the church, right, like, like we believe certain things that are revealed to us by God. These things are important. This is what makes us who we are. And God wants everybody to be a part of it. So we are challenged to adopt this mentality of St. Damien, right, of us. Even when the other, so to speak, doesn't act like it yet. They don't acknowledge it. But to recognize they're not our enemy. God has destined them, created them to be on the home team. He wants everybody to be his, to be in this tent, to be part of the family of God. And we do that in a similar way that St. Damien of Molokai did. Right? To see their worth, to build them up, right? to um, act the way that they deserve to be treated, to go and to do likewise. So certainly we don't encounter you know, people with Hansen's disease, you know, modern leprosy, and it is um, largely treatable today. You know, praise the Lord for that in, in medical science. But we experience plenty of people who might feel like lepers or who want to kind of be seen as lepers. They, they take, you know, glory in being marginalized or identify that way. We're challenged to imitate St. Damien, to see that everybody is created by God to be part of God's family, certainly through baptism. We are all made children of God, brothers and sisters by adoption in Christ. That those people who act like orphans, who see themselves as orphans, God wants to adopt them through holy baptism. That they are called to be our siblings. When we pray for the intercession of St. Damien of Molokai to view the dignity and worth of every human being. May we imitate his great example to care and to serve everyone, especially those who feel marginalized, who feel locked down, who feel alone. May we pray that we would imitate this great virtue of radical Christian inclusivity into God's family. Praise you, Jesus Christ, now and forever. Thanks for joining us today, and please remember to subscribe. And if you enjoyed our show, give us a rating on the Apple Podcasts. Peace.